Matthew chapter 25 and verse 6. I would kindly ask you to stand one more time for the reference of the reading of God's Word and prayer for the message, if you're able. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 6. The Bible says, And at midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. I won't preach on the midnight cry with the Lord being our help tonight. Father in heaven, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, as we come to you, Lord, as humble as we know how, with humble hearts, God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would help us tonight in a special way. Lord, we're so appreciative for what you've done for us this morning and the way you showed up and you showed out. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch this voice, dear God, for a little while longer. Dear God, where we can preach this last message of the day. And Father, I pray and know that this could be the last message many hear from here on out. Could be the last message I ever get to preach. And God, I pray that you would help us undergird us with your spirit and power. Touch this voice. Touch our hearts. Help and meet each and every need. And we'll love you and thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Here in the book of Matthew chapter 25, you have the Olivet Discourse and the scripture talks about the Lord's return and tests the real state of the kingdom and, and, and mystery. Uh, a lot is said about heaven, a lot is said about the return of Christ, but all is not said about heaven and all is not said about the return of Christ. And all that we know is what has come to about by the reading of His Word. And the precious Word of God. But the midnight cry is a fact to be faced by all. Whether tonight it is by death or by deeds or by darkness, there will be a midnight cry. And if the Lord tarries His return, we must all face a dark hour. But thank God a new day will eventually dawn where there will be no more darkness forevermore. No more darkness will ever come. There's times in your life where you'll be in the dark of the midnight and you'll be crying out to God for help. If you've never been there, you will be there before it's too long. Most people that have been saved any time at all know that there will be a midnight cry. There'll be a time in the middle of the night where you can't find rest, where you can't find peace, where you can't get anything accomplished. And it seems like your mind is roaming a million miles away from the Lord. And yet in your midnight hour of crisis, you send out a cry unto God. And when you send out that cry unto the Lord, He always comes about and helps you in your time of need. I'm glad that we serve a God tonight that when we're in our darkest hour, we can call upon Him and He'll give us the help that we desire. Uh, there, Listen, I, can't get, I may not be able to give you the help that you need today. Uh, my wife may not be able to give you the help that you need today. Uh, the church may not be the answer for your help. But my friend, uh, uh, the one that is called the groom, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one that can give you that help in your darkest hour. I've been thinking about some of those midnights. Some of those midnights that uh, will encumber us uh, uh, many a times uh, uh, during the life and the days in which we live. I think about the midnight of death. 
Folks, we're all going to have to face death if the Lord continues to tarry. And it is a midnight hour at times when we start to miss that loved one that's done gone on to be with the Lord. And that Bible mentions midnight in these types of crises because of the midnight hour is supposedly the darkest part of the night. Now you and I may not cannot, cannot see that uh, as we walk out of our homes at night at 2 o'clock in the morning to maybe get a fresh breeze of air. You can't really tell that uh, midnight would be any darker than 2 a.m. But the Bible says uh, that, that midnight hour is the darkest hour. And when we have those darkest hours in our lives, uh, that's when we have to turn to a true living God to help us out of that darkness and get back into the light. The midnight hour of death uh, will come about uh, uh, when you lose that loved one, whether it be a child or a spouse or a friend or a mother or a father. When that happens, my friend, it can bring you down uh, into a dark uh, midnight experience that you'll be living in. Uh, But how many times have we witnessed the power of God uh, in that midnight hour? The power of God that comes by and sweeps down and touches you and lifts you up out of that doldrum that you're in. I remember a midnight hour that was not too long ago. As Brother Ernell Bradley was up at that hospital and she called me and he was in the heart center. And uh, as we gathered around and she called me, she said, Todd, they, they, they rushed him over uh, down to the heart center uh, if something's wrong with his heart, it's beating too fast, uh, I got to go. And she hung up. And I didn't know. I couldn't call back into the hospital. They've done cut their phones off. And this was about 11.30 at night, if I do remember correctly. And I went up there and we sat all night until the wee hours of the morning. I think I finally left about 7 or 7.30 that morning to go home and just clean up a little bit and then go back. And I, I'll, I'll never forget uh, that midnight hour as we tried to, uh, to rest and we tried to find sleep. And, and Brother Ernell was getting down to his last days and he would not uh, stay in the bed. And I stayed at the foot of the bed. She stayed at the top of the bed. And when he started to move, we would wake up. He would start to come out of the bed and I'd have to talk to him. I'd have to pull his legs over back in the bed, keep him from literally coming out in the bed and hurting himself. That was the midnight hour that we prayed unto God. And we kept praying and praying, God, I pray that you will, it be done. But Lord, if you will, touch him. If not, take him home. And then just a few days later, uh, there down there in that palliative care unit at Spartanburg Regional, the midnight hour was coming to an end because when he took his last breath, uh, that's when the Lord Jesus Christ reached down and picked him up and took him out of here at that hour of day. Uh, my friend, and she began to rejoice over her husband who had just lost his life to the Lord. He wasn't just, he just didn't lose his life. We know where it went. Amen. Uh, and so I can never forget what she said when she just got over him there laying on the bed she raised her hands toward heaven and she said thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus because he had done come and got the one that she loved dearly folks I hope in your midnight hour that God can deliver you with such words that you can stand upon the mountain and say thank you Lord thank you Jesus for delivering me out of my midnight hour in the time of death I know it's very difficult 
difficult when someone passes to praise God. But my friend, you're looking at a man that was battling that disease for some five years, uh, doesn't live three years longer than anyone uh, had ever intended for him to live. Uh, but that was not God's plan. Uh, and in the middle of that hour, God came down, took his last breath, eased him over into eternity, and he crossed over into Jordan. Uh, my friend, that's the way uh, that it should be. Uh, we should rejoice at the death of the saints uh, and weep when the babies are born. Uh, my friend, why can't we rejoice anymore when that saint gets called home? Is it something within us uh, that keeps us? Are we so selfish inside spiritually that we don't want to leave that individual or don't want that individual to leave us? Uh, I'm here to tell you, in that dark hour, Jesus Christ can give you the support that you need. If you'll just follow Him, listen to Him, call unto Him, and allow Him to help you in your time of need. It's the midnight hour of death. I think about Moses at the midnight hour. He's trying to lead the children of Israel. He calls upon the God of heaven. Pharaoh knows that everything is going to be destroyed. The plagues have come about. The firstborn is going to die at midnight. But oh, if the blood of the Lamb is applied on the doorpost, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. If you'll think about that, folks, that's exactly what happens to you and I when we pass from this world into the next. When Jesus sees the blood applied, He knows that we're saved ahead of time. And my friend, we just ease out of here. And I don't like to use that word death because I'm not dying. When I get over into that city, I'll just start living. I'll just start living. Matter of fact, I don't even believe they bury us anymore. I believe they like to plant us. Because if you bury something, it's not coming back up. But if you plant something, it is coming up. And I have all intentions of coming back up. Amen. So we get planted inside the ground. That midnight hour, weeping at death, seems to bring sadness and bring sorrow. But my friend, it should bring rejoicing to our hearts. Because you know there's no more suffering, there's no more pain. And they've made it to that ultimate prize that they have been looking forward to. The midnight of death. I think about the midnight of deliverance. I see the power demonstrated by God's ability. of The Holy Spirit of God to deliver them that are lost and undone. I remember one night as, a, as just a young preacher, a, a man called my house. It was the midnight hour. And y'all have heard me say this before. If anybody calls the preacher out of, you know, after midnight, usually after about 10 o'clock, it's bad news. Bad news. Or usually somebody's dead or somebody's dying at that midnight hour. But we were pastoring the, the old church before we moved over here. And this young man called me. He said, preacher, I cannot sleep. I cannot uh, function. I've got sin in my life and I need to be saved. I said, where are you? He said, I'm at home and I've got a gun to my head and I need help. I need all the help that I can get. 
I said, there's only one person that can help you, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, oh, but preacher, you don't understand the sins that I've been in. You don't understand the evil things that I've done. And I said, no, sir, I don't understand it, and I don't know, but I know one that can forgive all of your sins and write your name in the Lamb's book of life, and you'll remove that gun from your head, and you'll be able to live a life that's fruitful under God, and He'll take care of your depression and your anxiety if you'll just allow Him to do so. He said, what I do, preacher, do you need to come over here and lay hands on me? I said, no, sir, I just need you to bow your head in sincerity and pray this prayer unto the Lord Jesus. I pray, God, forgive me of my sins. I'm a failure and I'm a sinner, God. I need you to come into my heart and get me out of this midnight hour of crisis of sin. And he prayed that prayer. He began to hoop and to holler on the other sin, other end of the phone. It said, Preacher, he did it. He did it. He did it. I said, what did he do? He said, he saved me from my sin. I've put the gun down. I feel like a new man. I believe something new's done happen inside of me. I said, you're exactly right. You're a new creature in Christ for what Jesus did for you. Has he come into your heart and put the old man out as the new one has been resurrected? A midnight hour of deliverance. How about the midnight of demonstration? I think about Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail. You're talking about a midnight hour. At the midnight hour, Joe, as they were locked up in the prison for preaching the word of God. They began to praise Him and began to sing praises and began to pray in the middle of the midnight hour. And then all of a sudden, the demonstration of the power of God took place. Uh, that old jail cell began to rock back and forth. Uh, and the, and the, the, the stocks and bonds were removed from the ankles and the feet. Uh, and the Paul and Silas came out uh, uh, of that place, uh, uh, that Philippian jail. Uh, and God showed His deliverance uh, and uh, the demonstration of the great power of God uh, in the middle of their midnight hour when they needed help the most. Uh, couldn't you just imagine what the prison guard felt like uh, as he was charged to pee over that uh, cell? Uh, and of course it was always charged to that guard. If you let these prisoners go, uh, you will come to your death. Uh, and boy, when it was all over with, uh, they began to, uh, the prison guards began to look for him. Uh, where are they? Hey, hey guard, we're over here. He even told them where they was at came over there and not only delivered Paul and Silas from the prison, but uh, the jailer was delivered from his sin. Amen. And if you began to read, it says even his own house, his whole house was saved because of Paul and Silas as they broke out of that prison. You see, at the midnight hour, in your deepest, direst need, uh, you will find the demonstration of God's power by the Holy Ghost. uh, And it will help you uh, if you'll allow Him to do so. I love Him's demonstration of the power of God. That prayer meeting at midnight. That praise service honored the Lord and the preaching service honors the Word. Amen. Midnight of demonstration, but also see the midnight of disappearance. Look at this dark and dreary land, the deterioration of our morals internationally. The denial of fundamental Bible truths. The departure of the saints to glory. I get concerned because God's calling away the old saints. And some of the young saints aren't stepping up. Some of the younger saints aren't listening to the call of Christ when it comes to their life. 
Folks, there is a midnight hour of disappearance. Where are the men that used to stand on the Word of God and proclaim it faithfully? Where are those that would wait, uh, could not wait to get to the house of God just to come to a place of worship, uh, uh, to worship Him in free freedom and in spirit? What's happened uh, to the midnight and the, in the midnight hour of disappearance uh, where morals seem to be accepted even, uh, you know, the bad morals accepted into the church just as if we would be accepted into the world. God's called us out to be a separate people tonight. God's called us out to be separated uh, from this world. And my friend, let me advise you, the world has nothing for the saint of God today. We have to be in the world, but we're not of the world. What is happening when we deny the fundamental Bible truths? What is happening when the deterioration of the morals is taking place, not only here in America, but across this world? It's a midnight of the disappearance of those things that are good. Good. But what about the midnight of a new discovery? That's going to happen one day. A new land wherein dwelleth righteousness. A new love where all sin is forever gone. A new look where there is no death, no sickness, no sorrow will ever come. That's our goal tonight. The midnight hour of a new discovery. One day you're going to discover that land if you're saved today. You're going to discover that there are streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl. You're going to discover that there is a a true living Christ. You are going to discover that His hands were nailed to the old rugged cross. You'll discover that His feet were nailed to the bottom of that cross. You'll understand and know in the by and by when we get there. We may not understand it all today, children of God. But I'm here to tell you, we'll understand it in a little while when we get over yonder. Someone asked me the other day, they said, Preacher, pray for me. I've been laying here in this hospital bed. I don't understand why I'm here. We're trying to live close to God. We're trying to do all we can for the Lord. And it seems like it's one bad omen against another. One right after the other. Over and over and over and over. What is God trying to tell me, Preacher? I said, listen, you need to pray, seek the face of God, and find out on your own what it is. I can't do it. It's God speaking to you. And maybe it is God speaking, maybe it's not. Why do good things happen to bad why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad have you ever thought of that? Why does bad things happen to good people? You know why I think it? He don't want this world to get too attractive. He wants to see you on your knees, maybe. Because you know, if everything went right in our lives, if everything went right in our marriages, everything went right in our homes, if everything goes right in our churches, if everything goes right, why would we need a Savior? Why do good things happen to bad people? Answer that question on the reverse side. Have you seen that? Good things happen to rotten people and they prosper out of their evilness. And then you try to live for the Lord. And then it's one thing right after the other. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? But I can tell you this. Give me Jesus. You can have the world. Because He can deliver me from whatever we're in. Amen.
I just don't understand it sometimes, you know, uh, going back to bad things happening to good people. You know, I thought about Patty and them having that accident the other day. Who's to know, Sister Barbara, that if that accident hadn't have happened, there would have been another one 20 miles down the road and they would have died. We don't think about that part, you see. The Lord could, that might have been the Lord's way of delivering them from going on down the road and losing their life. Many a times uh, we've pulled out from the house. My wife can test to this. And we'll get halfway down the road and we're like, oh no, I forgot something. We got to go back to the house. And we turn around, we go back to the house just a matter of a few seconds, get back in the car and go back around and boom, right in front of us is a head-on accident. It's happened. God has His ways of protecting us. And even if it brings some pain, even if it brings a distraction and causes us to question Him, all of these things that happen to people, my friend, can be good. Then again, God may not have had anything to do with it. We don't know. But you know what? I believe God has to have His hand on something where people would die in accidents like that. You're talking about someone flipping their car. Over and being injured and on the interstate and probably going 60 or 70 miles an hour. So we need to understand that midnight hour of discovery because one day we're going to be able to see that city. But I want to mention the midnight hour of the unbeliever's darkness. The Bible tells us in Revelation 16, God's wrath is poured out onto the sea and to the earth to the Son, and unto man. And the wickedness and the blasphemy blasphemy of the sinner's unbelief and the wind-up of the, the wicked at the battle of Armageddon. Folks, all of that's going to take place. I'm just glad that I'm not going to be there. I'm, listen, I believe when the rapture comes at that midnight hour, we'll be out of here. Now, a lot of people will preach to you and teach you that we're going to go through the first three and a half years of tribulation, but the great tribulation, the last three and a half, we're going to be out of here. I'm here to tell you, God's not appointed His people under wrath. We won't be here for the first three and a half years. We'll be gone. We'll be out of here. How about the midnight hour of Christ's deniers? Let me read this scripture to you in Revelations chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it and whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's going to be a midnight hour when sin fully catches up with the sinner. It's going to be a midnight hour when separation finally comes to a sad farewell forever. It's going to be a midnight hour when sinners face the consequences of rejecting Christ. Uh, My friend, that's the only thing that's going to keep them, uh, listen, keep them out of heaven is that they reject Christ. Rejecting Him. 
Why are there so many Christ rejectors in this day? Is it because the world is so attractive? I don't think it's so attractive. When you compare it to Christ, Calvary, heaven, is the world more attractive than that? Think about it. The average life of a human being is still only around 73 or 74 years old. Some of you are on grace time and doing good on it. But it didn't matter. It wouldn't matter, Brother John. If you live to be a hundred, what would a hundred years on this earth, living for the devil, be worth compared to eternity living with the Lord? I'd give up a hundred years down here to have eternity over there. You see, that's what happens. We want to live in the now. And we want to live uh, uh, in the now of today. Because we know that tomorrow will come. But the thing is, we don't know that it will. We'll live like there is a tomorrow. But they may not be. What do you do? Live for God. Be faithful. Try our best to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Try to live your best for Him. Try to win others to Christ. Try to do what the Lord asks you to do. Brother Joe Floyd mentioned a gentleman. He talked about this morning. He said, can I share that about that gentleman? He said, he seems to love the Lord. He seems to know the Word of God. He prays, and but he don't go to church. And he likes to drink. Something's wrong with that picture. I believe when you're saved, you become married to the groom. The groom is Jesus. The bridegroom is the church. What kind of relationship would me and my wife have if I never come home? What kind of relationship, Brother David, would you and your wife have if you never talked to one another? You as the bride, him the groom, what would happen if you never talked to him? Same analogy with us and the Lord. He's the groom. We're the bride. We'll have a desire to talk to him. Not just in your midnight hour. Not just in the darkest times of your life. But what's wrong with praising Him and talking to Him when you're on top of the mountain as well? What's wrong when the things are going good in your life, still going to church every service? What's wrong with doing what's right in the eyes of God when things are good, when things are not so good, and when things are bad? shouldn't change the way we worship. God's still God no matter what you're going through. God's still God. He's still the healer. He's still the deliverer. He's still the one that can take care of our every need. He's still our provider. But a lot of people, when they get to that midnight hour of their life, they lay down the sword and they give up and they blame everything on God. They say, you know what? There's there's no need. There's no use. I give up. 
And they lay down the sword and they return to the world. There's more and more people returning to the world today than there are people from the world coming to the church. We need to pray for those people tonight. I don't know about you. The journey does get tough sometimes. The journey does get rough. But it's not so rough that I'm going to deny the God that I love and the Savior that saved me from hell. I'm going to still trust in Him no matter what comes my way. You stand tonight as the musicians come and just play softly. Gives us a song of invitation. You may be in a midnight hour in your life tonight. If you are, won't you come to this altar and pray? We'll help you pray. Maybe you've got some other need. The move is yours tonight. Allow the Lord to speak to you. Father in heaven, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, as we come to you tonight, and Lord, just calling upon you and Lord, asking you to help us. Father, I pray that you'll minister to us in a special way. God, speak to our hearts in our midnight hour. Lord, when we're on the mountaintop, when we're in the valley, or when we're in somewhere in between, we ought to still love you, still praise you, and worship you. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You come if you've got a need tonight. As they play.